Hi, welcome to Healthcare Marketing Insights from Interval for the week of March 9th. I'm Chris Bevelo, President of Interval. Adam Meyer, Design Director. And I'm Jackie Rotaco, Account Coordinator. Hey, Who now Jackie. has a microphone. <laughs> Jackie has a microphone. So we're going to hear from Jackie from now on. So welcome, Jackie, to Thanks. the actual audio portion of our show. Uh, lots of fun stuff to talk about this week, but we're going to dive into kind of a a heavier subject. Uh, there's, you know, everybody knows the situation with the economy and how, especially in this market, but I think many markets, healthcare systems, health systems, and hospitals are suffering for all kinds of reasons. Uh, reimbursement rates are being cut. State, federal budgets are being cut. Patients aren't coming in. They don't want to spend their own money. You have to chase their bad debt. This just goes on and on. And one result of that, not surprisingly, is that marketing budgets and marketing departments are getting cut. So we want to dive in a little bit on, well, if you are forced to cut your budget, where should you cut it? What, you know, what should you really stay focused on and, and where are the areas where you can probably do without? And of course, every situation is different. Every hospital is different. Uh, but just in general, uh, we wanted to kind of think through some of the areas that uh, we thought were a little more uh, easier to cut or, or less painful effectiveness-wise, and, and some that we really would argue, please don't cut them if you can avoid it. And what we're going to use is uh, Shushmid, the Society for Healthcare Strategy and Market Development, has a publication they call By the Numbers. If you don't have a copy of it, it's an, it's an incredible uh, publication. It gives all kinds of feedback and research on marketing uh, in healthcare as far as budgets, departments, uh, all kinds of things. And we're looking at the second edition, which was published in 2008. I think that's the most recent uh, but that's okay, because we're looking at a list of department responsibilities, which if you have that publication is on page 10. And there are about f uh, 15, 16 items listed there. We're not going to list all of them, uh, but I'm going to throw out some that I think uh, should be the first among those that are cut in just a general sense. And then also talk about some that we feel very strongly should not be cut and why. And we'll get some feedback from Adam and Jackie. So uh, the first thing on the list that I think can go is advertising and there's a couple reasons for that one is usually it's a huge part of a marketing budget uh, because of the media costs and the development costs again depends on your market depends on your situation uh, but it's particularly things like brand advertising uh, it, it, those are things that are long-term investments you shouldn't do it with them completely but maybe scale them back focus on advertising uh, that has a direct call to action, like a screening, a class, something that people can react to. Because your challenge is you're trying to bring in volume. You're trying to bring in patience. That's where you're suffering. Uh, so you can probably afford to scale back your general advertising and focus just on areas that would do that. You guys are in agreement with that? Sound okay to you? Okay. Uh, another one I have circled uh, as could go is patient satisfaction tracking. We kind of have a bias against that, I would say. Not that you shouldn't be doing it. Uh, but if you've been doing it for, first of all, it can be very expensive. And second of all, if you've been doing it for a while, you probably have a pretty good feel uh, for where things are at. And you can skip it for a while. Uh, and, and, and sometimes tracking things is a substitute for actually taking action. So if you're not, there's a lot of organizations that pay a lot of money for that and then do nothing with it. So that's an easy cut. Uh, there are others where you could say, look, we're going to revisit this in a year. But for now, we're going to put our money into things where there can be a direct impact on 
patient flow. What do you think of that? Any agreement so far? Okay. Uh, another one I have circled, uh, two of them are collateral graphics and or publications. Um, again, you're talking about things that uh, most are expensive to produce and distribute. Uh, and, you know, there are other ways of communicating with folks these days that are less expensive and sometimes more effective. So if you've got a community newsletter that runs uh, six times a year, four times a year, maybe scale that back. Maybe you don't get rid of it completely, but you cut the number of pages or you cut the number of times you mail it. Uh, if you've got a lot of collateral work, figure out what's the most important to print and, and only focus on that. Uh, but those are areas, too, that can be cut back. Any thoughts from the gallery? Yeah. Yeah, I'm just I'm curious to know if on this list, if that, well, yeah, I guess. I guess that, that kind of stuff would be lumped into their collateral slash graphics. What kind of stuff? What you had just mentioned, community oh. newsletters, uh, you know, don't do it four times a year, do it twice a year, those types of things. Um, another thing that just jumps into my mind when I see collateral and graphics is a lot of marketing departments will have a designer in-house or two. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of, as someone who has been in that role in the past, a lot of this stuff that gets put on your plate is seriously a well, in, in my opinion, at a waste of time. I mean, just so right. much unnecessary BS that is directed to them. Um, certainly don't advocate for getting rid of them altogether um, if, if it can be avoided, but certainly make sure that their time is being filled with things, right. with the things that you are doing that are really valuable items to be to keep on the table. That can have a direct, most importantly, have a direct impact on bringing patients to your organization. Right, right. Because that's what you need to be focusing first and foremost on. Uh, so with that in mind, what are some of the things that we would really advocate heavily for keeping no matter what? Uh, one of them that I have highlighted is the call center. And that can be a very expensive, depending if you outsource that. Uh, but there's a great article in Business Week, and we'll post this in, our, in, your, in the show notes, that talks about how companies have learned through past recessions uh, where in the past they might cut frontline folks the people that are first and foremost interacting with customers. And they've learned the hard way that that can, you know, you have to make cuts, but the last thing you want to do is drive away business. I mean, the whole point is you want, you want to keep who you have and get more. And your call center uh, is so important to anybody that's interested in engaging your organization to make sure that they are treated right and are directed where they need to go. So it's a great example of frontline customer service that we would say, fight as hard as you can to keep that staff the way it needs to be mm -hmm. staffed. Uh, another one is physician relations. Uh, because again, so much of, of what healthcare providers need is channel driven. It comes from specialists. It comes from referring physicians. So the more you can keep in contact with them, uh, and it's not that expensive because those folks don't need thick brochures. Uh, they need face to face time. They need communication, uh, they need clarity, and so the more you can you can use outreach to make sure those channels stay open, and you're uh, letting them know any way that they can bring in patients. That's important. Uh, and then another one I'll throw out there, and Adam, you can chime in on this: is uh, your internet and web management. There are so many opportunities to provide added value through your website, uh, to provide a landing place, a direction place for any kind of marketing activities. Uh, to provide additional enhanced experiential activities, uh, we would just strongly recommend that you keep your site fresh, 
that it's alive and well and, and doesn't uh, kind of sit up on the shelf because you have to cut staff or you have to cut some other kind of service. Anything you want to add to that, Adam? Yeah, and your 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 recommendation is not to cut there, or that that is an area to you could not. Cut? Those things that I was talking about are protected at all costs. Call center, uh, internet web management, physician relations. There's a couple others. I would say public relations, uh, depending on how expensive it is, is very important to keep yeah. well, any, community yeah. relations. Yeah. Well, I guess I would look at I would look at your internet, um, your web management as being pr- pretty closely. In, in terms of being an initial touch point or an important touch point, um, it's kind of up there with the not nece- certainly not on the same level as a call center um, because that's human to human interaction or at least voice to voice interaction, even if it's not in person. Um, but the next step away from that is, I would say, your, your web communications. So, yeah, I mean, as, as many resources as many resources as you can keep devoted to that on a reasonable level during lean times, I would certainly recommend it right right so there's some others but we encourage you to to, to check out that list and kind of go through and see what's appropriate for you uh what makes sense because because so many folks in this as marketing leads vice presidents cmos directors are having to make these tough choices and short of cutting staff which many have to do unfortunately as well uh the next question is well where else do we cut and what's the most important for us to keep uh, and again, you know, if you've got a CEO or a lead surgeon that's just beating down your door to run that, you know, billboard, sometimes you got to do what you got to do. But, you know, when you have limited budgets, which you always have, but but even more limited now, it's even more important to be effective with every dollar. So trying to be smart about it is, is what we're talking about here. Okay, well, let's move on. Uh, we have some other y- unique stories to share with healthcare. Uh, let's save that for the end and let's talk about, um, let's totally shift gears and talk about your rant about Facebook because <laughs> <laughs> we had a, we had a heated discussion about, uh, well, go ahead, Adam, tell them what, tell them what pet peeve of yours for Facebook or for uh, Twitter well, I guess. earlier this week. Well, it's not necessarily Twitter cause I don't, I don't see this as much on Twitter because it's not, well, Hey, I'll just jump right. It's, it's about profile images. Um, if you follow my my uh, Twitter feed, the picture people know. see of you. Yes. They go to the picture, social media. Yes. Sites. You go to Facebook and you've got that, that face, that, that image slot. It's the first thing you see when you go to somebody's page, especially if, especially if there's nothing there and it's just that default silhouette image. Um, but I had tweet, I had made a Twitter. I, I tweeted earlier this week that, uh, you know, is anybody else annoyed when people use images of their children as their profile image? You know, I was this close to putting that as my, my like Facebook thing at one point in time but i know i've got like probably i don't know between five to ten people who have like are always rotating pictures of their children through that slot and uh obviously from a from a professional level if you're a if you're a professional obviously a very bad choice for so many reasons um to not be using a picture of yourself for your for Facebook or That's Twitter. kind of a given, though. Like if, LinkedIn, if, you never see that on LinkedIn. Well, right, 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 right. It's it's just so easy to do on Facebook. It's not necessarily even easy to do on Twitter. I mean, it's easy to replace your image, but it's not as easy as it is like on Facebook, where you just where you've already got this pool mm-hmm. of images and you just go choose the next one that you want. Jackie, do you feel that way too? Well, I think with Facebook, the line's a little more blurred because right. I think some of the sites are a little more professionally oriented, but. I mean, I've definitely fallen victim to posting a picture of my dog as my profile picture <laughs> so that's before. Good, so, so. so, so here's how we can tie this back to marketing because I think it's 
we had a great conversation about the orientation of people with kids versus those without. And it just shows you, like, if you're doing marketing, how important it is to step into the shoes of the people you're talking to. Because if you're using your own reference point, you can miss so badly. And we use the example of on a plane, right, with somebody who's got a, a kid that's acting out or a baby that's crying. You can almost pick out the people who don't have kids and the people that do. Because the people that don't are so uncomfortable. They're so annoyed. They can't understand why you can't shut the kid up. And the people with kids often are empathetic, trying to help. They're weeding over the seat, trying to occupy the kid. So it all depends on the, the orientation. And mm-hmm. you know, just to share my personal story, I don't have any fear of sharing this. Uh, I'm in a situation where I'm not with my kids all the time. I have them 50 to 60% of the time. What's interesting to me is, as a parent with three kids, I was fully in the camp of, I'm empathetic. I'm, I'm, I'm the one with the kids in that viewpoint. But now when I'm out without my kids, and I could be out with them for a couple, you know, a couple days without my kids, I find myself slipping into the Adam mode of <laughs> what's the deal with this? Why can't you keep your kid quiet? I'm out at a nice restaurant. Why are you even bringing your kids? Or if I go to see a movie, and, yeah. and why are you bringing your kid to an R-rated movie? I guess I would think that either way. But uh, it just shows you that it can be situational. Your mind frame can be situation. It can, mm-hmm. and I think I think what you said is very important. Um, and I, but obviously that goes both ways. I think a lot of times, you know, I, I'm certainly not a, a kid hater or a dog hater. <laughs> well, exactly. <laughs> yes, know? I don't have pets because of my allergies. <laughs> we'll have kids at some point in time. Uh, not so, that, so it's nothing. It's nothing about being a hater. Right. It's just about what feels to me to be in, inappropriate. Right. Um, even with friends on Facebook, where it's like, who the hell cares what your profile image is? I want to see a picture of the person who I'm conversing with or who's posting their status. You know, this is them, and I understand the value of wanting to share images of your life and of your family because that's what facebook is all about that's what that's what it exists for but i just think there's a right and a wrong way to do it um you know when you post new images i'm going to see that you posted them because i'm they're coming through your feed see as a, a parent i can say that so many parents their kids are everything to them and they will put them first and foremost no matter what. So push, putting them in their profile picture is just another means of doing that. And, and it's, it's neither right nor wrong. You know? And it's, you know, if you were, Adam, trying to market to parents, you would want to be sensitive to that's the case. You can certainly have your opinion. We can agree to disagree on these things. That's mm-hmm. the point. Sure. That there isn't universal perspectives. There's not <clears throat> universal mindsets. So in thinking about a specific audience, it so helps to be in their shoes and, and see it from another perspective. Uh, because you'll have to do that in your marketing efforts. So we don't have to belabor that, but we just thought it was, we could spend an hour just on <laughs> yeah, really. talking about that. I think it's a really interesting it, it is. topic. So I want to I share some more uh, personal stories here because I have an experience uh, this week where I'm not going to say the name of the health system uh, because I've used them forever. Uh, I really like the system I use for my doctors and some of the things I have to get done. Uh, but there was just this unique situation, and there's kind of two elements to it, a funny element and, and one that uh, we've talked about a lot. And I had to go in and, and get some stuff done. Uh, I have to get like an infusion. It takes a couple hours. And I went to this place at a brand-new facility. And it just it's the first time I've been there since then, so it was all new to me, and it's, it's, it's beautiful. It's, it's got all the amenities. It has private rooms, digital TVs, all these great things that it didn't have before even close to that. But what I found striking was while I was in there, the staff 
the, the nurses, the nurse practitioners, there was maybe three or four different people I encountered, including volunteers. All they could talk about was what it didn't have. It was kind of like they were complaining about, well, this TV isn't what we really wanted and there's no clocks and um, now we can't see all the patients at once and patients are you know complaining that they're not in a big group area now so they're isolated and boy, I can't see who I'm working with so now the staff feels isolated. So A, they're saying all this in front of me, which we've always ranted against. Boy, can you get your staff to keep that behind the curtain because I don't want to hear it as a patient. Uh, but, but beyond that, it, it just struck me why with this beautiful new facility, uh, are they only focusing on the negative? And I was trying to think through, uh, is it kind of Midwest modesty that they don't feel comfortable with this beautiful new thing they have? So they're trying to, they're trying to bring it down to size. Uh, is it Adam, you had a great kind of give your take on why you think that happens. Well, I think the example I threw out was, was it's kind of looking at another element of that that I think is closely related. Um, my, my wife is an RN at a hospital here in town, and she had come home one evening with a story about um, that, that a manager at the hospital had asked her not to eat her salad in the atrium, which is the beautiful entryway to this hospital. Um, tall glass windows, like this whole side of it is glass, beautiful plant life. Oh, there's t- things to look at. It's an area that technically is supposed to be a beautiful place for patients and families to enter the hospital families to you know waiting for their loved ones who are receiving care they have someplace beautiful to go and spend some time um but she was put off when somebody asked her not to eat lunch there and you know at first i was like well you yeah you shouldn't be eating your lunch there but right. the more you know as i thought about it more i was like well that's not necessarily an appropriate reaction to that because what here's somebody who spends literally every day at least every work day in the hospital and that person's not given a nice place to go have their lunch right they're given a room that's very dull and boring and the beauty the beautiful environment that's been created here is only av- is sp- quote unquote, is only supposed right. to be available to patients and families people who are rarely there some are there often if their condition requires it but it's employees are as important as your patients right so how how yeah you how what do you offer your what are you offering your employees what are you giving them to make sure that they are happy there that it's a place they want to come to and work um and another side to this too is the is the great little phrase it's all it's all relative because no matter what you have, I just, I just I think this is just kind of the American way. No matter what you have, <laughs> you always it's like you always want more. You almost refuse to acknowledge that, man, this has got it pretty good here, especially compared to right. this, the, this other hospital down this down the street that's a complete crap hole. You know, we've got it pretty good here, and I don't think a lot of people people just refuse to see that sometimes. It's always like, well, what else could we have versus what we are what we well, have didn't, now? Didn't you also say that you felt like? And I just remember this back from my retail experience. I used to work at a place called Drug Town in Iowa, which people laugh at. They don't believe that was the name. Um, but it was the same deal where you just forget why you're there. And, right. and so we would have a lot of jobs to do, stock the shelves, price things, whatever. And you'd be out on the floor doing it, and you would get annoyed when a, when a customer, in that case, would come up and say, where's the Band-Aids, where's the wine, or whatever, forgetting that that's why you're there. 
And I think that happens in healthcare that, that they forget that they're in the presence of a patient. They forget that whatever I say, the patient is picking up on. Um, they even, this was even a little gruesome. I had to get an IV and one of them prefers to put a, like a towel underneath in case it leaks or whatever. And the other one was like, Oh, I've never done that before. And, and she's, and she kind of joked. She's like, maybe Mary could use that. And I was like, Oh, so you're saying I don't want to have Mary put in my IV, right? <laughs> because she does a bad job and blood spurts. What, what are you trying to say? And they were quick to say, Oh, no, no, no. You know, she's an ER person and she's used to just whipping in there and getting it done. And, um, so I think a lot of it is they just forget that you're sitting there and how you change that is, is beyond me, but, uh, it sure impacts your experience right. when you hear people talking yeah, negative, yeah. um, especially when, mm -hmm. boy, there's so much positive to talk about. Right. So just something to be aware of. Uh, and then I'm going to get to the other rant I had with this. All right. So, and if you, I'm not going to say the organization again, but if you know, you're going to know who I'm talking about if you work there or if you visited there, but they've, they've got a ramp and I was trying to park and I was, you know, having to go up and up the ramp and noticing that all the spots closest to the building were, were open. Typically that's handicapped spots, right? Which I'm, you know, fine. If those are open, those are, those are important to have. Then I noticed what these signs were and there were signs on either side. One side said spot reserved for low emission vehicle. I was like, really? I've never seen that before. The other side said spots reserved for vehicles with two or more occupants. So my first reaction, of course, as I'm driving and can't find a spot is you're forcing your green philosophy on me and I can't park. So it's all about me. <laughs> what the hell is going on? Uh, you know, and then I said, well, I believe in that. I think that's important. And they're just trying to encourage right behavior. But where I did get stuck was, look, it's one thing to have HOV lanes. It's one thing to have carpooling. But this is the doctor's office. This is a hospital. So how are you encouraging me to carpool? with the slots that were for two or more occupants. Right. I'm not going to, am I supposed to find somebody else who happens to be going to the hospital <laughs> the same time I am? Am I supposed to invite people along? I'm coming to see the doctor by, by you know, mm -hmm. certainly there are people that come with more. They come with family members or whatever. I'm not sure they deserve a better spot than I do, but it just, I don't know. It hit me the wrong way. So I'm, I, I wonder if they get, if they'll be getting feedback from disgruntled people. I mean, I'm all for, mm -hmm green strategies i mean do you guys think i'm being selfish and go ahead you can no, say no it. I, I i agree <laughs> with you i think that the the green promoting promoting that you're a green organization with some spots for low emission vehicles that that's kind of a cool thing i mean you drive by that there's four spots for the for the smart on every cars. floor though do you think well, I, I don't know about that maybe the first <laughs> yeah, maybe the first, maybe so the first couple i mean but they're yeah, making the, me exhaust more gas by driving around <laughs> finding a spot so the car, can... the carpool one, kind of blows my mind because I, if I'm going to the, I don't know, I'm, if I'm going to the hospital, I'm, chances are I'm going to be able to drive myself out when I leave. I don't need to bring somebody with me, and I'm guessing a lot of people are like that. So unless it's unless I'm going in for something where I'm going to be unable to drive myself home and I have to come with somebody else, I, but that just doesn't. Seem... I could be confusing. I mean, those things, HOV lanes, carpooling, cheaper, cheaper costs at ramps. If you carpool, mm -hmm. those are all incentives mm -hmm. to try to make us behave in a certain way. Right. And, and I'm for those, but what if that's the reason behind it at the hospital, it's completely misaligned because it's just not the situation where you would, you would carpool and no, take, you know, I, it's I, not going to make me carpool to get a better spot at the hospital. What, what do you think, Jackie? 
And you're a big environmental. I mean, do you think, <laughs> first of all, do you agree with what they're doing? Well, I, I think things like that are great. I, I'm surprised to see it at a hospital, a spot mm-hmm. reserved for that. I mean, I suppose if you went to your local recycling center and they had spots for that, it'd be more expected. So I think it's kind of surprising. I don't know if I feel strongly whether or not it's a good or bad thing. But I also think that you could probably reserve up half the ramp with spots reserved for moms to be in low emissions cars and carpooling. And it's more just making sure that it's relevant for the people who are. I want a spot for the middle-aged white dude who's by himself and has to come to your hospital. I want to see that sign. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make that sign and put it in your parking space. I, you know, we encourage innovation. We encourage yeah. trying new things. So I actually, I think it's very intriguing that mm-hmm. they did that. And it would be interesting to see what kind of feedback they get. Sure. Yeah. Uh, just, it was just the one element of it that I thought, well, really, I'm not going mm-hmm. to carpool. So anyway, just a mini rant on that. All right. Anything else you guys want to cover? No, we're probably, we're kind of pushing it on time this week. We're, we're trying to today. keep it nice and tight for you guys out there so you don't have to listen to it on. It's easy to ramble. Forever. So I think with that, <laughs> we'll end it for this week. And I'm Chris Bevelo. Adam Meyer. Jackie Retackle. Thanks again for joining us, and we will talk to you next week.